Sean Apkin, lead pastor here. And uh, Brother James, he had a word for you guys. I want him to come on up and uh, give this word for you. Give him a hand. Amen. Praise God. You know, it's a scripture here in Proverbs 3 that I'm led to quite often. When I think I got things figured out, God kind of points me in the right direction, and I appreciate that. And I think there's no better time for me to share this with the church. I asked Pastor Sean if I, Sean if I could do it, and he said I, it was okay. So I want to share the word of God with you this morning. Found in Proverbs 3, starting in verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in sight of God and man. Listen, church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Come on, give him a hand. That's a good word. Amen. 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 We'll turn to your Bibles to Psalms 51. Psalms 51. Um, one announcement that wasn't made. Uh, next week we have a guest speaker. He comes all the way from the Netherlands. Hans Kunstra is going to be here. And uh, he's just an awesome man. If you've never heard Hans, uh, he's uh, I think 77, 78 years old. And I just I, I tell you what, this guy has history and a lot of revivals that went on in, in the in the even some in the U.S., but definitely in Europe. And uh, uh, how many guys ever heard of a guy by the name of Brother Andrew? A few of you, he smuggled Bibles into China, smuggled Bibles into Russia and everything, and in his book and everything. He's, uh, Han's family is a part of all that, and so it's just been a really cool thing. So don't miss it next week. Amen? So Psalms 51. We're in a series called Why? And uh, t- asking some uh, hard questions. And, and one of the questions we're going to be answering and giving you an understanding on how is called repentance. Why repent? Why should we repent? And it really, the, here's the answer. It's Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You can write this down. There's some notes you can kind of, in your bulletin, you can kind of take notes. Of it, and I encourage you to take notes today. Romans 3.23 says this, For all, what does all mean? That means everyone. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, look to your neighbor and point to them and say, That's you. And everybody point to me and say, That's me. That's you, Sean. You know? now, now, remember when you point, you got three fingers pointing back. So just remember that. Amen? <laughs> all. Every single one of us are not perfect, and we've all have sinned. In fact, some of you are still pretty good at it. Amen? It's not a good thing that you're good at it, but you definitely know how to sin. 
And so we've all fallen short of the target. We've all are a long way short of the perfection of a holy God. But because of that, God knew that, that we could never bridge that chasm. We could never get to that point of being as holy as he is holy. And he knew that. You can't do it. I can't do it. So he sent his son Jesus to do it for us. A perfect God came down, became sin for us. So we might live. So we might have life and have it more abundant. So we can have a relationship with God. He died on the cross. He was punished for our sins. Aren't you glad that God is not in the role of punishing us anymore? And that's, amen? Now, he doesn't punish. Now, he does correct us, right? Right? And that's a good thing. How many correct your children? Like, I would encourage you not to use punish as the word that you use. It's correction, discipleship. And so uh, we all need that, right? We all have that because we need that. And Jesus came and gave us the, the opportunity to be able to come to God now and to love on God and to come into his presence and be who we have been called to be. And when we don't grasp that understanding and we don't grasp the idea that we have a problem, we will never understand the solution. We will never really appreciate all that Jesus did at the cross. So if you think you're perfect, you've made it yourself, you'll never really find the joy of salvation. Amen? The joy of who God's made you and I to be. And so in Psalms 51 is really an idea, of just an example of repentance. And uh, it's an example of David, you know, I, probably about a year after he committed adultery and, uh, with Bathsheba. Here he comes, and he's repenting. And it gives us really an understanding how to repent, the art, really, of repentance here, of how to really go to God and to change. You know what repentance is? Repentance is really main turning. It's, it's changing the way we think, turning from the direction that we're going on. And that's so important that we do that, that we make that change, that we make that turn around. And so he gives us here steps to repentance. So I'm going to read the word here in Psalms 51. You can follow along with me. I'll be reading out the New King James Version. It says, have mercy. That's where Elvis gets it at. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you have made you you, have, you will make known to make me know, to know wisdom. Verse seven: Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities create in me a clean heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit 
Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure in Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, and then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, and they shall offer bulls on your altar. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is good. We receive it as truth, and we honor your word today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So here's the steps of repentance. And David shows us very clear, really, how to bring about repentance in our lives. And I want, to, I want you to know something. Repentance is a good thing. You've got to get out of your mind that repentance is a bad thing. We should clap. We should have a party when someone repents. When you repent, go get dinner. You know, go out and celebrate. It is a good thing. So he starts out. In verse 1, and he talks about mercy. And here's the first step to repentance. Write this down. Know that God is merciful, so you will take responsibility. Know that God is merciful, so you will take responsibility. This is the first thing David does. He, he doesn't just take responsibility first. He knows that God is a merciful God. And you and I will never be changed until we discover the mercy of God. You will never repent until you know that God loves you, he cares for you, he died on the cross for you, and you will not go to him unless you know that you are going to be accepted and that he wants to bring mercy. In fact, he is willing, he desires to bring mercy. You know why? Because mercy always triumphs over judgment. Think about the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? He was a son of this, this man that he decides to go to his father and he says, hey, I want what's mine. I want my inheritance now. And some of you would probably slap that kid silly. You go back upstairs and do your laundry. You know that's, But he didn't do that. The, the, the father gave him all of his inheritance. And the guy, the son, went off and wanted to live his life the way he wanted to live He wanted to live a reprobate life. He wanted to live on his own, do what his own thing, and sin. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says that when he was gone doing this, and he spent all that he had, and he was down at the lowest that he felt like he could be, he came to his senses. He came to his senses, which means he realized what was going on. How many's ever been there? I am going down a wrong way. I am doing something that is hurting me and hurting others around me. How many's ever been there before? You realize that. He began to realize that, listen, what I'm doing, I'm heading the wrong way. And then it says, I will arise. He came to his senses, and I will arise and go to my father. I will go and see him. And that, that root of that decision was based on the understanding of who his dad was. That he knew that he would be well received when he came back to his father. 
He understood that. That's why he was able to come to his senses. And David knew that idea. He knew the Father God. You know how he knew the Father God? Because he spent in the wilderness worshiping him. He spent the time blessing the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He knew the Father, and he knew that even though this has been a year that he's been living in this sin, he had murdered this guy, and he had committed adultery. He was also a peepee Tom, too. <laughs> but he knew his Father. And so that was brought him. Yeah, I can repent. I can go after God. And he knew. The prodigal son knew his dad. That he knew, listen, I know my dad is going to receive me. And even if he just receives me as a servant or a slave, I'm still better off being loved in a family. And what did this kid do? He starts going off. He arises, goes to his father. And his father had been waiting there for him. That's the same picture as God is for you and I. When we sin, we go off. Because sin, I don't care who you are. If you're, if you're not a believer in here, it has separated you from God. I just want you to know that today. But there is no reason for that separation because Jesus came back and he wants you and he's given you a free gift. Just receive it today of that mercy and that grace and that eternal life. But those of us who are believers, how many of you, got, you sinned after you got saved? Just raise your hand, be honest, everyone in here. We've sinned. And this picture of the prodigal son and his father, the prodigal son gets up, arises, and go off, and he starts coming over the horizon, and the dad has been looking from from day one, waiting for the repentance of his son. That's the same thing as God, is when we mess up, and we don't know it, and sometimes because that sin blinds, and we go off and we do other things, and we don't know it until someone has the grace to tell us. We get back up and we realize it and we go back to the Father and He's waiting there. He's on the edge of His throne. And this is what happened. This is the picture of the prodigal son is that He jumps forward and He runs out and meets His son. He doesn't wait until His son starts to say, I'm sorry. He goes up and the Bible says He jumps on His neck. And I don't even know what that means. I have a picture though. He grabs his son and he just holds on to his son. He doesn't wait. Forgive me. No. The art of repentance was when the son realized what he did and started to get up. (laughs) And then he puts a ring on his finger. He puts a robe on his back. He puts shoes on his feet. That ring was a a sign of authority, that signet ring. That robe was a, a sign of royalty. You're my son again. Welcome home. And the shoes was, listen, get back to work. You're back where you're supposed to be. He didn't say, you got to start as a servant. No, you're my son. And that's the great thing about God. And I used to think when I sin, I mess up. I got to start at the beginning. No, God takes you where you were at at the beginning. He puts you back in the same place. It's like if you've ever taken a, a wrong exit, guys. And you get lost. And you're going down the road. And you refuse to stop at the gas station as your wife asks you, please stop at the gas station because you are fearful. And you know who you're afraid of? 
your wife. You know what I do? I stop at the gas station, but I ask my wife to go in. <laughs> I'm the one drug going that ask directions, you know. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it? But once we find out the directions, I get back on the same highway at the same place I got off. That's the way God works it out. Aren't you glad about that? The reason the prodigal son could do this, the reason David could bring, start to apologize, start to repent for the things, the, 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 the terrible things that he's done. And most likely none of you in this room has done it, but if you have, there is forgiveness. It's because he knew the mercy of God. And when you know the mercy of God, it's time to take responsibility. Notice that David doesn't fall into the self-justifying trap of shifting blame. He doesn't say, the devil made me do it. Or like Adam, it was the woman you gave me. David says, I've twisted and perverted something good into evil. I've taken aim at a false target and I've trespassed where I was not allowed. And in verse 5 he says this, he basically says, indeed I am guilty when I was born. I was sinful for when my mother conceived me. David knew like every human being is born with a bent to sin. And that's just not an external issue of bad behavior, that's an internal issue we have. Your sin is not external, it's internal. And only God can heal that. David believed he was bad, but he still doesn't blame his choices on his mom. He doesn't blame his choices on anybody else, on his heritage. He owns it. And see, that's the thing that's a lot of times what we can't do is because we don't understand the mercy of God that we can't own the issues that we have. And this is the first step of repentance is knowing the mercy so you can take responsibility. Number one, find the mercies of God and take responsibility. Number two, you need to come clean. Don't rationalize, don't minimize, excuse, or spin what you've done. Get real. David lived in denial for a while until he was able to reach a point. Close to one year, he realized that he hadn't fooled God and he chose to stop playing games and the world words we read in psalms 51 are desperate gut-riching plea of a man who seriously misses his father he seriously misses god and that relationship with he has because sin does that it takes you away and what happens if if we don't come clean and we stuff it down in which a lot of us do that we stuff it down and we want to ignore it and we don't, because we maybe not understand the mercies of God, and we don't understand that God loves you. You know, the number one thing you need to understand is that you need to understand that God loves you no matter what. And the best thing that you and I can do is please Him and not worry about anybody else around us in that way. I cannot worry about what you think of me. 
And so David understood that if he continued to put it down. In fact, he writes in Psalms 32, verses 2, he says, He says, How happy is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit is no deceit. And when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. It's painful. It does more harm than good for you and I to keep those things down. David said, I was, I was in the desert. I was torn up. I was depressed. I ached. Through, through dying inside and the weight of holding it down and not coming clean was hurtful. A guy by the name of Steve Arterburn, uh, a Christian psychologist and pastor, he writes this. There's only three reasons why people do not come clean. Number one is that you're afraid to lose your reputation. You're afraid of what people might think of you. Like men, you're afraid of what you're your son and daughter in the back might think of you when you got lost and didn't know your way. Number two, you're afraid of losing your favorite sin. Or number three, you are afraid that it might cost you something emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even financially. So I don't know what the excuse that keeps you from coming clean and having honest confession, but to stay silent will harm you. So we need to understand the mercies of God, that he is there for us, and we can take responsibility, and we can come clean. The third part of repentance is that we see what David does. He begins to ask and receive God's forgiveness. You know, tucked in the, that first expression of David's confession, we read this, Be merciful to me, God. Be gracious. Blot out my rebellion. Wash out all my guilt. And cleanse me from my sin. So when David cries out for mercy, he is appealing to God's willingness. It's not something that he's trying to, to say, God, please do it. No, God is willing and he's waiting to do it. And so when he asks for his sins to be erased, that he wants to be washed and cleansed, he cries out for God to, to do a work in him. And he wants God to do something that only he can accomplish. And that's to totally be forgiven. And it's amplified in verses 6 through 9 where David says, Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sin and my guilt. I love that. Return to me the joy of my salvation. I love that. He needs that. And that's what sin does. It takes us away, whether it's a small one or a large one. It doesn't matter any way. It takes away that joy that God has for you. The relationship that God wants. And when we come to him and we, we, we know his mercy and we come and we take responsibility, we come clean and we ask forgiveness and we begin to receive that forgiveness, joy is beginning to be put back inside of us. When it says about the hyssop, hyssop is an herb, and, and the Jews would, in, in a ritual cleansing, they would dip that hyssop in blood. See, sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. And right here, right there, thousands of years earlier, before Christ came, became crucified, is a picture of what he did for us. God, who was innocent, came down, shed the blood that needed to be shed for you and me, took our punishment so we could be forgiven. Make me clean, whiter than snow. So ask for forgiveness and receive it. 
You don't work at it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go out and do anything special. It's like the, the prodigal son. He, he just started walking towards, and his father came. He didn't even hear, forgive me. Boom, you're forgiven. I mean, that is the picture of God. Isn't that great? Forgiveness. And you receive that. And it brings me to number four. David begins to request a fresh work of God's grace. Now clean, David wants to sense again what has not been there for a long, long time, the presence of God in his life. In verse 10 through 12, he prays, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation and give me a willing spirit. This prayer of gladness and freedom is to be experienced. Experience. That's what it is, not punishment. In fact, a lot of times we think we're going to go to God, we sin, we've got to be punished. You've got to be corrected. There's correction, but not, that's not punishment. It's called discipleship. Like I said, if you're dealing with your kids, stop using the word punishment. Jesus was punished for us. Use correction, discipline, discipleship, but not punishment. God sees us, and he sees us from a million miles away, and, and, and he wants to bring this gladness and this freedom to us. And once we know his mercy and become responsible, we come clean, we ask forgiveness, receive forgiveness, then we can start having this fresh work of God's grace in us to do something greater. And David prayed again, Father, I want to have fellowship with you again. Change me, renew me, refresh me, transform me. I want to be willing again. Spiritual recovery requires us to take responsibility, to come clean, to ask and receive forgiveness and pray for his presence and power to once flow through our lives again. That's why I said, you know, the best thing for us to do if, if we need to repent is go into worship. And I know the thing about it is, and this is what condemnation does, it, it says that you're not worthy. Well, you have never been worthy. It's only Christ that makes us worthy. So you can tell that thought, that stinking thinking to get out. And when you sin, run to God. Grab his word, worship him, read his word, and get back into the place that you always were meant to be in. The presence and the power of God starts to operate in your life when you begin to do that, and it's such refreshing, and it brings me to number five, the last step. Use past failures for future ministry. You might have sinned. You might have messed up. But you learned something. You've come through something. And you have become someone through it. And God wants to use it. What did the prodigal son get? He got shoes. The importance of shoes in the prodigal son was they are to do the gospel to spread his word, to do work. Verse 13 and 15 says, then I will teach. <laughs> this, is, this is bold from a guy who hasn't repented in over a year or about a year, who murdered, who 
who committed adultery, who was a peeping Tom, then I will teach the rebellious your ways. See, he doesn't even see himself as that any longer. He's got a new identity, new understanding. He says, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, the God of my salvation. My tongue will sing your righteousness, Lord. Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. This was David saying, God, I want to get back in the game. I want to be useful for your purposes so that I can say to someone thinking like I was thinking, man, it's not worth it. I've been there. I have the scars to prove it. There is a better way. Amen? Your past failures do not determine who you are and where you're going. You recognize them. You take responsibility. You come clean. You ask God for forgiveness, and you receive the forgiveness of God. You request a fresh work of God's grace, His presence in your life, and you start to walk the walk and do what God's called you to do and you use your past failure for future ministry. That is the art of repentance. Amen. Isn't that awesome? See, I don't know where you're at today in your walk with the Lord, and, and, but I know that there is no room, nobody in this room or nobody outside of this place that doesn't need this to walk out repentance every day. Some of you need to do it every hour of every day because you're learning, and that's not the way you're going to be. Amen? You're going to move out of those things because that's not who you are. And we need this in our life. And maybe you've held some things inside of you that you, you, because of fear, you're not willing to let out. And you don't think the Lord will forgive you. It doesn't matter if anybody else forgives you. It's about him. Listen, he's willing to forgive and to restore. And in a few minutes, we're going to all go into this opportunity of doing this model. And I challenge you to allow what's been held in that's hurting you to get out. That you take responsibility. You come clean. You ask God for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. You ask for the grace of God to come through you and in you. And then take a step into your destiny and your future with him. Amen? Now, many of you know that our church has been going through um, some leadership issues. Because we've, of this, we've bought, brought in an outside group called Pastor Serve to come and to help us with these issues. And I've told you back in January that we're bringing them in because we're st- we were stuck. Every one of us have issues. Remember Romans 3.23, all have sin. We all have issues. And all of us as leaders have messed up in some way. So pastors serve an outside group of men and women have come in to help us. And it's taken a while, but it's now complete. And today at 3 p.m., I want to invite you all to come if you want to hear... Uh, what's going on and what they have decided and they'll come here and they'll they'll spend about an hour hour and 15 minutes to to kind of talk to you about that and uh, if you can't make it there's going to be audio of that you can uh, email us at contact us at cornerstonelife.org and we will send you an mp3 or copy a cd so you can know what's going on here 
This whole process has uh, been difficult, but it's also been very good. Now, I can't deal and talk about other people's mistakes and sin because that's their place. That's not mine. What I can do right now is talk about mine. The issues and sins that I have. This whole process has helped me recognize where I need help and recognize my shortcomings. You know, I struggle with identity issues. I've told you that before. And I regularly, regularly deal with thoughts of failure, rejection, and inadequacies. Fear of man and man-pleasing and other issues from which I am in the process of being set free. Now, I've allowed these issues and fears to affect how I believe about myself. This affects how I relate to others. And with these issues, there have been a huge blind spot in my leadership. Now, I didn't know, you know what a blind spot is, is a weakness um, or behavior that you don't realize until you have help finding it out. So this blind spot that's been made known to me is that, in, is that, is that at times in certain situations, I am not honest with what I say. Because of the desire for approval, and I sometimes share half-truth, I also exaggerate the good and minimize what is painful. And so without question, this failure to be truthful has contributed to the present conflict in our leadership. In relating to some people within our leadership and staff, I have struggled with being completely honest. I have feared the consequences of being fully honest. I did not always confront certain issues within leadership because I was fearful of conflict. And to avoid conflict, my communication or lack of communication was unhealthy. It was misleading, confusing, and even hurtful. There was a particular conversation that was brought to me, by attention to me by an elder. I asked them to forgive me for lying and misleading them. And I want to repent to you the church and say I'm sorry for being a leader in this area of, of complete honesty not being, a, not being a leader in this area of complete honesty with some of those in our leadership in our church and I realize this has hurt people I've asked those involved to forgive me and now I ask you as my church family to please forgive me there are other areas of leadership that I need to correct and grow in. I've been defensive at times and need to become a better listener. I need to value the gifts and strength of our leaders around me more and empower them to leave with confidence. I need to be sure I follow through with what I say and when I have spoken too soon or made a mistake, I need to own it and work it out with those involved. Because of Pastor Serve helping me see this blind spot, I am receiving counseling to deal with those hard issues and also pastoral coaching that will help keep me accountable and put in place the things that I've learned to become a better pastor, a better leader, a better shepherd, a better father, a better friend, and a better husband. You know, this is probably the most difficult thing in my life that I went through. But God has used it for good and for his glory. And through the process, the Lord has also helped me to be able to release forgiveness to those who have hurt me 
He's brought me to a deeper place of trust and surrender, and he has strengthened me. He's brought me closer to him, and I'm very thankful for his mercy and for his grace. So church, I ask you, please forgive me. Please don't do that. We don't know how that is. Yeah, that might hurt. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. I promise you, I will work on this issue, and I'm held in accountability with Pastor Serve. I've submitted to them to do this. I'm so thankful for this happening and grateful for God. Come on up. <laughs> you know, um, we very seldom have an opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer together. I'd like to lead us all in that prayer, if you if you would. Um, our Father, who art in heaven, say it with me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I just praise him that he will always be in authority. He'll never give his power away. We can always depend on God to be there for us. We'll never have to depend on anyone of less uh, power and honesty and truth to be uh, the true God in our lives. Praise God for this time. Uh, I'd, I'd ask that you just continue to pray for Sean and the elders and Cornerstone Church that um, we will truly walk out truth in our life, that we'll all be men and women of truth. That'll be the key issue in every life of all the followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Now, maybe you're here today. You know, one of the things that we've always wanted here is that this would be a safe place. That people who are far from God, who even hated church, could find a place of home and healing. And you may be here today and there's just something that's not right in you, within you. 
There is freedom in forgiveness. So take responsibility and yes, say, I've messed up. Come clean with the Lord. Tell him what it is. Ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness. Request a fresh work of God's grace. Make that commitment to use your past failure for future ministry. One thing that brings us more to be able to do that is the very presence of God. So I want the worship team is going to come and we're going to worship God together. And so if there's some things that you you need to do and get, get right with the Lord, hey, listen, this is the best time to do it right here, right now, during this time. So just bow your heads and close your eyes. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, as we enter this time, we give it to you and we thank you that we can come to you and receive forgiveness. And we choose that right now in Jesus' name. So Father, show us. Maybe there's blind spots that all of us have in some way. Show us what they are so we can move forward with you in Jesus' name.